everyone, and welcome to Good and Glory with Britt Coburn. I'm really excited to spend some time with you today. I'm going to start us out by telling you what I have been reading. I have said before that reading is a major part of my life. Being an Enneagram 5, hiding behind a book is definitely one of my favorite ways to recharge. Recently, I found myself picking up more nonfiction books and having less time for fiction. That is mostly in part to my nonfiction list being so long, and I'm back to homeschooling, so my reading time is a bit shorter than it usually is. I just finished Jenny Allen's book, Get Out of Your Head, and I would highly recommend it. It wasn't a heavy read, so I could get through it quickly, but it was so full of amazing and practical ways to stop Satan from getting in our head and to allow the Holy Spirit a place to work in and through us. Since finishing that book, I've started Lisa Whittle's newest book, Jesus Over Everything. Halfway in, and I can already tell you that this book is something we all need. I'm excited to get through it and to meet with my ladies group to discuss what God taught us. If you have a book recommendation, fiction or nonfiction, please message me and I will add it to my ever-growing list. Okay, so let's jump into what scripture has for us today. In the fall of 2019, I did a study of First and Second Kings with She Reads Truth. If you have never done anything with She Reads Truth for the ladies or He Reads Truth for the gentlemen, hit pause, go to their website, and look at the amazing resource that it is. I have read First and Second Kings before, but it was always just to check off that I have read it box. This study opened my eyes to the amazing books that they are. They are so full of insane stories, truth, and God's love for his people. I just finished reading them again in July 2020, and I really felt pressed to underline the first descriptor of each king. Usually it said something like, this king did right in the sight of the Lord, or this king did not obey the commands of the Lord. There were two things that stood out to me when I looked back at what I had underlined. The first, and this is more of a side note, God had amazing patience and grace with his people, especially since he didn't want them under the rule of a king in the first place. Let's look at 1 Samuel 8, 6-9 through 9, in Brittany paraphrase. The Israelites are begging Samuel to appoint a king. This greatly upsets Samuel. So he goes before the Lord. The Lord replies to his questioning by saying, Listen, Samuel, they aren't rejecting you. They're rejecting me as their king. They've done this since Egypt. They don't serve me, but they choose other gods. Listen to what they're requesting, but warn them. The king who rules over them will do what he wants. How painful for God. The people that he has created to be in fellowship with him, to worship him, to love him as a father. They've rejected him and are begging for a human ruler. Just as God has done from the garden, he lovingly gives them what they want, but it comes with a warning. I hear God saying, guys, I love you. I want what's best for you, and I rule in a way that will bring you good, but you have chosen your way over mine. Please be aware that a human king will not love you like I do. They will not bring you good, but will only do what is pleasing to them. Then, 
God has to sit back and watch. Man, that would super stink. The second thing I noticed was that three things happened with the kings. The first is that they outright rejected the Lord. 1 Kings 15.26 says, He did evil in the eyes of the Lord, following the ways of his father, and committing the same sin his father had caused Israel to commit. The second, they followed God, but didn't get rid of the idols. We read, He followed in his father Asa's footsteps, and was careful to do what the Lord approved. However, the high places were not eliminated. The people continued to offer sacrifices and burn incense, on the high places. And that's 1 Kings 22, 43 through 44. And then the third thing is they wholeheartedly followed and tried to eliminate anything that would cause their kingdom to not follow the one true God. It says in 2 Kings 18, 4, he did what the Lord approved just as his ancestor David had done. He eliminated the high places, smashed the sacred pillars to bits, and cut down the Asherah pole. He also demolished the bronze serpent that Moses had made, for up to that time, the Israelites had been offering incense to it. All of this can be greatly applied to our lives. We as humans also fall into these categories. We outright reject the Lord, and we do our own thing. This ultimately leads to drama, destruction, and death. Nothing good ever comes from our own plans. Proverbs 1, 29-32 says, Because they hated moral knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord, they did not comply with my advice. They spurred all of my rebuke. Therefore, they will eat from the fruit of their way, and they will be stuffed full of their own counsel. For the waywardness of the simpletons will kill them, and the careless ease of fools will destroy them. No matter how right you think you are, when you are following the ways of the world and not the ways of Christ, there will be heartache that could have been avoided. Second, and this is where I think most Christians fall between the three categories. We follow the ways of Christ, but we keep the idols or the things of our past close by and at arm's reach. Sometimes, or most of the time, we don't even realize we're doing it. We say we are walking fully with Christ, but there is always that one sin that we allow to keep in our lives, or we just ignore it being there, hoping no one will notice. For instance, recently I have been convicted on my tongue. I think all of us can say that at one point. Am I truly venting to cause release, or is it gossip? I say this because I'm an external processor. So I do need to process things verbally in order to get them off of my mind. Recently, I've recognized the Holy Spirit trying to get my attention on the issue of my tongue. I've had two options. I can ignore it and continue running my mouth whenever I want to, or I can let him deal with it and teach me when it is okay to verbally process and when I need to keep my mouth shut and not gossip. I think there's a very fine line for me and I must learn to not cross it. Proverbs 28.13 says, He who covers his transgressions will not prosper, but whoever confesses them and forsakes them will find mercy. No matter how ignorant we pretend to be, we aren't actually stupid. 
Scripture and the Holy Spirit are both quick to point out our sins. Deep down, we know them. But are we ready to cut them down? Psalms 19, 12 through 13 says, Who can know all of his errors? Please do not punish me for my sins I am aware unaware of. Moreover, keep me from committing flagrant sins. Do not allow such sins to control me. Then I will be blameless and innocent of blatant rebellion. God is ready to show us the high places and the idols we have yet to get rid of. He doesn't want anything holding you back from the freedom found in Him. He is selfish with our praise and our attention. Maybe it's time that you take a moment to ask for His insight into where you are playing ignorant about things. But be ready, for He will show you these areas that need work. He will be loving and gentle, but He will also be firm. The third place we might find ourselves and This should be our ultimate goal as believers, is to do the right thing in the sight of the Lord and do away with the high places, the idols, and the Asherah poles. This is not something that can be done in a day, week, or year. This is something you must set your mind on doing and work at it on a daily basis. Satan is going to do everything he can to distract us from Christ. An idol you had when you first found Christ is probably not going to be the thing he uses tomorrow to distract you. That is, if you have conquered the original idol and destroyed it. Satan will bring up new idols that creep in when you aren't paying attention. He will use anything to distract you and to turn your focus from from your life in Christ. Satan will use anything that will take your worship and your attention from Christ and to put it on things that aren't of worth. He may also try to bring up old idols to see if you have truly destroyed them in your life. So you must be prepared for those as well. Romans 12, 1-2 says, Therefore I exhort you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a sacrifice, alive, holy, and pleasing to God, which is your reasonable service. Do not be conformed to this present world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may test and approve what is the will of God, what is good and well-pleasing and perfect. We must present our bodies to God as living sacrifices and make a point to transform our minds daily. We need to realize we are not part of the world, but we belong to Christ as his sons and daughters. We should live like we Own that title, sons and daughters of the creator of the universe. Romans 13, 13 through 14 says, Let us live decently as in the daytime, not in carousing or drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, not in discord and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to arouse its desires. We must stay on mission. We cannot remain in this world and walk in our calling as believers. We all share the calling in Acts 1.8 to go into all the world and to make disciples. How do we make disciples if we're living in the world? What are we preaching with our actions if we continue to keep our high places and don't destroy them daily? Each book of the New Testament gives us simple suggestions to follow to live a Christ-centered life. They aren't rules. That would make this thing that we are doing works-based. 
They are ways to point our lives in the direction of Christ and walk away from this life with the least number of self-inflicted wounds. The important part that a lot of us believers miss is that we cannot do this alone. We cannot use our own willpower to cut down idols and destroy high places. Sure, we can accomplish it for a season, but it will always come back in a way we aren't expecting. We need the help and guidance of the Holy Spirit in order to destroy these places for good. We find Jesus' words about the Holy Spirit in John 14, 16-17. Then I will ask the Father, and He will give you another advocate to be with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot accept because it does not see Him or know Him. But you know Him, because He resides within you and will be in you. The Holy Spirit is not only ready to help us, but He lives in us. He knows us and is ready to heal all of these hurts, cut down all the idols, and remove all the high places. Who better to ask help from than the Spirit who lives within us? This week, I encourage you to examine your lives, get prepared, and then ask the Holy Spirit to show you the places that need work. Then do the work. I am still being reminded daily to work on my tongue. It's amazing how many podcasts, sermons, and scriptures I have read or listened to in the last few weeks that have pointed me to that issue. When I fail, I beat myself up. That is, until the Holy Spirit gently tells me, Brittany, we will try again. I am a work in progress. You are a work in progress. But as long as we have our minds set on removing those places, we're on the right track. Thanks for spending a few minutes with me today. If you like what you heard, please subscribe and give me a review where you listen to podcasts. Those reviews help to make sure I can continue doing what I love and sharing a little bit of my time in Christ with you. You can find us on social media at Good and Glory Podcast on both Facebook and Instagram. Please give me a follow. Until next time, may the grace of Jesus be with you.